Welcome to Being 11. My name's Amanda Marsh and I'm inviting you to take a journey with everyday people as they recall their pre-teen years, sharing the good, the bad and the cringeworthy. Sofro Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we record, the Wajak Noongar, paying respect to elders past, present and future. So today I'm talking to Kim Vu. Kim Vu, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Amanda. Do you remember what year you turned 11? 1989. And where were you living at the time? I was living in Melbourne in a a southeastern suburb called Noble Park. You're talking, it's close to Dandenong and it's close to Hallam and Mm -hmm. those suburbs. And the nearest exciting thing would be Chadston, which is in a nice area called Malvern. Just the way you're describing it, you don't have a lot of excitement or passion in your voice, which makes me wonder, it doesn't sound like a place that you loved. Look, um, I loved um, the this, this safety and the security of, with my family and the home that our first home yeah. we were able to buy was in Noble Park and that was beautiful and special. But yes, the area has is very unique. It even has, at the time, it even had its own gangster called 3174. <laughs> its own gangster 3174? Yeah. You mean like a... Like an, an actual gang yeah a gang like they were a Vietnamese um, gangster gang they're just high school kids and their name was the 3174 oh they sound really intimidating were they trying to be triads (laughs) try try hard triads I was scared (laughs) I'll bet you were teenagers can be scary when they're in gangs when they're in a crowd yeah yeah they look scary so you obviously weren't part of this gang Uh, no did you know anyone that was yes they were from my high school school so yes and I was scared just because there was a lot of them and they looked really triad-y. So how did they dress? Can you, I want to picture this (laughs) gang of scary kids from 1989. Well they're not scary now but at the time they'd be really just your standard school wear after school, just school wear. There was no uniform at our school, Uh Noble Park High. But what, what did what did a gang kid wear in 1989? I'm trying to picture like jeans. It'll be trackies. Shorts, It'll be pants. the Adidas stripes and things. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. flip floppies or runners or something. And but it, hair? Um, yeah, I don't remember the hair really, but it'd be moppy and just mm. like longish. It wouldn't be neat or lovely. Yeah. So. Were they old enough to drive or were they on No, so 89 I would have been year 7 and I remember it because I was, I, everyone knew the 3174 gang <laughs> and the ironic thing is the leader of that gang was this short, shorty, it was shorter than me. And rocket rocket. Yeah. Funny, isn't it? What did they do that made you fearful of them? Was it literally just their numbers? I can't remember. It was just a feeling. Yeah. But, but, yeah. It's just, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Them being in a posse always, like, cracking, like, 
not jokes, but maybe inappropriate words when you're walking past somewhere, you feel yeah. like they're staring at you. Yeah. You know, as mm. a young girl growing as a teenager, you just get a bit nervous. Yeah. That's and quite, always, it can be quite intimidating. Yeah. They're yeah. always hanging around at, you know, car park shopping centers or something, <laughs> after school gates, just stalking. It's yeah. looking really stalky. <laughs> Just yeah, safety in numbers for them too. I it guess. Is. Was was it a very um, heavily populated Vietnamese suburb, or did they perhaps form the gang as a form of their own safety? Because Australia's a pretty racist place. It was a very multicultural yeah. school and neighbourhood, and there was a strong demographic of Vietnamese families. Yeah. So, I would say half of that group. Of the three one seven fours were Vietnamese, but then you've oh, got okay. It wasn't all okay. No, it was multicultural. Right. So there okay. was yeah. some, and then El Salvadorians as well, and oh, that's cool. Spanish. Um, uh, that's my memory. So it yeah. wasn't just okay. Yeah. Them. So yeah, it's just a gang of teenagers just, yeah. just hanging yeah, out. Yeah, it's seven they do. and eight. Yeah. yeah, nothing to do. Just yeah. Yeah. Just making a nuisance of themselves. Exactly. Stealing stuff yeah, from the Yeah, trying to pick up the schoolgirls. <laughs> <laughs> Do they ever try and pick up you? Probably, but I probably didn't really. I was probably more scared. I was yeah. a very nervy school kid. So I was, wouldn't make eye contact. I'd be really quickly trying to get home or something. Yeah. That, that's what I remember, why yeah. the fear was there. Yeah, yeah. Anyone looking my way? Yeah. You're seven, you know. That was the not so nice aspect of being 11 what a, what was something that you did that brought you joy well that that time in my life a joyful thing of that age uh would probably be dancing and copying um other girls in school yeah who'd be who'd have that confidence to have like um you know back then they had the stereos the portable the the portable like ghetto, a ghetto blaster, blaster, a mini one, and they'd switch it on and they'd do like coordinated dances at school. Oh, in the yard? In the yard at school at, you know, lunch break or <gasps> See, that's recess. what I would find intimidating. No way. Loved it. And they'd have a circle of people, like a semicircle around yeah. them. So that was my memory. It was super cool. Were you in the circle or were you in the dance? No way was I in the dance. I was in the circle, staring, <laughs> cool. And they were not um, multicultural girls. They were the um, Western Caucasian right. girls. There's two, like, probably best friends. Yeah. And, yeah, awesome. They loved just it. really knew how to move. Yeah, they just coordinated. I just loved yeah. it. It's cool. And you obviously did too. Yeah, loved it. Yeah. Now that we talk about it, there is an inner joy and passion watching people's dance especially coordinated <laughs> I can relate to yeah. that because I'm not very coordinated so I, I love watching people who can isn't it great fun it's yeah. like that flash dancing but yeah fast forward so you get I got to my 30s and I got invited to be a bridesmaid yeah and we did um workshop and training a choreographer was paid wow. to train the bridesmaids to dance to lady gaga coordinated for the wedding wow. and that was like the best wedding 
ever. It wasn't my wedding. It was just because I got to be part of the dance posse, you know, like a, a gang. Yeah. And we all – A gang. Yeah. <laughs> Lady Gaga's – um, What was it? 3178? Yeah, it was 3174, but this was like an opportunity to be part of this. And, you know, you're cool. You wear yeah. the same stuff. Yeah. You're kind of part of that. Yeah. You know, you get the shorty, the tall or whatever, and yeah. then you do that dance. <laughs> So you That's can probably find cool. that video somewhere on Facebook, I'm sure. <laughs> but 1989, yeah. wasn't it blessed that Facebook and none of those things existed? No. It was not a wonderful existed. thing. It was just what you it see. It only got bullied between, like, nine and four. Yes. <laughs> At the car park or outside, like, the supermarket. Yeah. Going to get the milk for mum and dad or something. Yeah. <laughs> Bring us back to the home. We've 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 seen what you're out like in the streets. What hmm. was what was home? What was that like? Oh, home's lovely. Mm-hmm. So we um, started with a um, a very small flat for a family of five mm-hmm. in Noble Park, and then we got upgraded to another very small flat two flats down on the same road um, for us but the real joy was when we got to buy our own home again around the corner in Noble Park but we all got our own rooms so that was very special so that must have been so exciting it was very exciting because you can imagine three kids in the one room it's Mm. that's a vivid memory but we're all together and we're safe and what did the house look like? classic brick um, front yard looks really 80s and was there a gate uh yeah there was a metal gate yeah. you lift it up and you open it yeah um the driveway with this awesome passion fruit vine on the side lovely which is a big memory we didn't eat passion fruit we didn't know how to eat it it was a very did you learn uh it was a pretty blossom <laughs> i don't think anyone ate passion fruit in my family not that i can remember but funnily enough, I love passion fruit. It's delicious. The vine, I don't love the fruit. Oh, really? I love the vine and the leaves and the they are beautiful and the flowers. And then you you enter the um, you go up the steps and you have a little front veranda thing. Yeah. And then when you go in, the first thing you see is those eighties classic, those eighties table. You know where you put your telephone on oh, and you yes. sit the little nook thing. At the entrance of the hallway, that's like the Burke that's Street. That's terrible feng shui, isn't it? Oh, possibly, but yeah. it was like the the Burke Street Mall of the home. Yeah. So you come in, there yep. it is. Yep. And it's a prize spot because everybody picks up the phone mm-hmm. in that household. Everybody wanted to know. The kids wanted to know if the yep. call was for them. Yeah. And did you spend many an hour curled up on the floor, leaning back against the wall, attached to that phone, talking to your friends? Actually, no. Because oh. all the calls would be for my sister, Kim Van, because ah. she was the teenager when we were in that house. Yeah. I was and you were still, still a little, little bit young. You're too young yeah. to have any, like, people call me. So, yeah, it's hilarious. You'd get the phone ring. Oh, I'd like to speak to Kim, please. Yeah, which like, one? which Kim? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely not me. Yeah. <laughs> so what were you doing while Kim Van was on the phone? What was Kim Boo doing? Probably in my room, crafting or something. Yeah. <laughs> scrapbooking. Scrap really into okay. that. Love scrapbooking. Yeah. Mm. And I know now that you're a wonderful cook. 
tell me, had, did you have a passion for cooking then or was that strictly someone else's domain? Definitely no cooking interest mm. at all at, um, at the age of 11. 11. You, just, no. you just consume it. Happily, joyfully, <laughs> ungratefully, eat, dine and dash. <laughs> I like that, ungratefully. What was it? Dine and dash. Dine and dash. Back to my room to yeah. whatever. I had a goldfish, hung out with that, scrapbook <laughs> in my room, had my pencils and my pencil, my favourite little mm. metal um, Felix the Cat lunchbox tin, which had all of my pens in it. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. So those were my obsessions then. Yeah. That was your little sanctuary. It was yeah, your bedroom. Yeah, my own the room. Yeah, and just that. Yeah. And meal times were just meal times. Yeah. Just wonderful glorious Vietnamese food that mm. amazingly mm. gets dished up every single night there's no takeouts yeah there's no going out just reflecting like this mm. makes me feel such um, like such a brat for dining and dashing yeah well um, you know 11 you're res- the youngest yeah. and you're responsible for going to get the bowls and the chopsticks on the table mm-hmm. and dishing up the rice for everyone as they finished <laughs> And um, it's bringing true. the dishes to the middle, that's communal food. Yeah. You know, like there's yeah. always a soup, a salty mm. dish, and then there's rice, yeah. maybe a green stir-fry or something. Yeah. So you have to bring that to the table and then everyone sits together. So that's the family. But it's like everyone just wants it over and done and they get back to their own yeah. thing. Yeah, I guess that's the teenage life, isn't it? Isn't it? But it's, isn't it interesting, those rituals? Because... I was the same. Like, we all had our roles and we would rotate through from week to week what our role was. And one of them was setting the table for the family. Mm. And we didn't have quite the same as you. We didn't have communal eating, but it was common for us to have a, a tomato soup mm. and, and then the main and then maybe a dessert at the end. Mm. And... So I would have to set all the plates out for everyone, the knife, the fork and the spoon for the soup. And if we were very lucky, maybe another dessert spoon that went to, like we were trained on, you know, how to set a table. It's very, it's very parallel. So you, would you say that? There's a parallel yeah. there. We don't have, it's so different, but the same setup. Yeah. Family was, together, yep, yep. chopstick spoons. Yeah, but it was always... Quite, like it was a moment when the family came together. Mm. We ate together. There was no TV dinners. TV went off. Yeah. What would your special birthday meal look like? No, no chance. Mm. It's just what it's given, and yeah. Um, yeah. But Kim Van would have been a teenager, and I know she loved baking. So her and her best friend Helen, who lived in a court, which is next the next street down yeah they baked and I'm I'm pretty sure they would have baked a cake for like for her little sister yeah so they would have done that together for fun that's so really sweet. that's really nice because yeah. I do recall photos of mm. a random cake and I'm like my mom doesn't know to cake bake yeah. western cakes yeah. and I asked Kim Van and she's like yeah that was me and Helen we baked <laughs> a cake for you yeah you you squirt sort of thing <laughs> I said yeah well awesome so you were so ungrateful you didn't even yeah, know who didn't baked even, you yeah, yeah, ungrateful, done and dash. Want to be with my friends, my multicultural friends in the next houses down the street. <laughs> Did you have any other family members? Was it just the the three kids, mum and dad? Was there anyone else floating around? 
it was just the immediate family. Yeah. I had yeah. no grandparents, mm. no close migrant relatives. life. Yeah. It's, I think it's just the Australian story all around. Yeah. I would love to have known my grandparents in mm. Vietnam. Mm. I would love to know all of my wonderful aunties yeah. and uncles on my mum's side in Vietnam. I am blessed to have met them a handful of them once when I was a backpacker with my then boyfriend, now husband. So that was a a true um, uh, blessing. But I wonder if I was grateful at the time. Was I a backpacker dying and dashing again through the country, (laughs) round the world ticket? Yeah. So I'd like to do that again if I could. You went from these tiny flat rentals to owning your own family home, what your parents did. Um, Did you get gentrified enough to be able to have a family holiday? Yes. Would you call Warrnambool a holiday? 100%. Yes. Tell us about a Warrnambool holiday. Warrnambool. That is not quite like international or interstate, but it was a, uh, it's got fond memories. So yeah. you'd have um, three or four cars carpool, carpooling to oh, Warrnambool. okay, so it wasn't just your family. It, it was a... Second or third cousins. Right, okay. And then this was um, probably the biggest trip, camping. Yeah. You'd go camping yep. and set up tents at the, what do you call them, caravan parks. Yep. I don't get it, Amanda. It's a beach to me. Why did the family pick it? Go four or five hours to get to the... Anyway, it was wonderful and they loved the journey, getting to the destination, setting up their tents, the feeling away and the different um, epic ocean sort of not just a bay. It would have been a real ocean and family photos show the joyfulness. Mum and Dad and me as a squirt. Um, sitting by a pot where they'd got fresh seafood, mm-hmm. crayfish or whatever, yeah. and and cooking it up. So yeah. that's what they call joy, that yeah. sort of fresh seafood. That's a classic Aussie family trip from the yeah. 70s and 80s it, right it, there. I had very similar experiences. Isn't it great? We don't do that anymore. Set up tents, yeah. go on these road well, trips. So far, everyone I've spoken to is similar kind of generation within... 15 years or so and everyone describes the same simplicity and joy so I do on that note I do hope the next generation of um, kids get to experience some kind of joy in that of simplicity it's hard to think because we've got such access at our fingertips yeah okay last question and I ask this at one of everyone What is that thing of value that your 11-year-old self had that you could tap back into? Perhaps dance more, maybe revisit scrapbooking again and just have those colours and pictures of people that you love in your on your fridge again or <laughs> cutting them out. But, yeah, the singing and the dancing, that's a strong thing. Um, maybe not the Barbie doll or anything, but yes. I would probably say dancing. Free dancing yeah, or the def- choreographed let's do some moves, get either. the mini ghetto blaster out and <laughs> show off. Sorry to interrupt. Either or. 
if you could flash it and choreograph, the better. But keep it simple and just embrace accepting who you are and be free. And just, I think that happens... That, that happens less when you're more contrived as you get older, trying yeah. to fit in or blend in and be, be grown up. And I think that's sort of happening to me mm. at times. So what would you dance to? I'd be right out there. Harry Styles, Adele. <laughs> um, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kim Boo, for joining us today on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure reliving the 80s with you today. Oh, it's, it's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. And reflections, lots of gem, gem moments there that I'd forgotten all about until you, you, you um, pulled it out of me. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Being Eleven. If you liked what you've heard today, don't forget to like, subscribe, or visit our website at sofromedia.com to see what else we do. Until next time. This podcast includes music by Tristan Norton and Martin Kottmeyer.